The Green Bay Packers might have had a bye, but the rest of the NFC North did not. So what's happening in the rest of the division? We'll ask Aldo Gandia of the NFC North Barroom. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about what happened in the rest of the NFC North over the weekend, seeing as the Green Bay Packers were on the bye. To do that, we have a guest joining us this morning. We have Aldo Gandia of the NFC North Barroom. That's nfcnbarroom.com. Aldo, how you doing today? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on your show, Brian. We're glad to have you on, and uh, with the Packers on a bye, we're going to focus a lot on the rest of the NFC North here. The Bears get their first win of the season, a 17-14 win over the Detroit Lions. And and Aldo, uh, I think the big question here, Brian Hoyer has a good game yesterday. Do you think the Bears are going to stick with Hoyer even after Jay Cutler gets healthy? Well, I believe that uh, Brian Hoyer is Josh McCown. He's a serviceable backup who, when he's matched up against mediocre or poor defenses, as he has been the last two games, he, he can deliver effective uh, winning performances. Now, uh, McCown's short run of success with Chicago, a lot of people may forget, it was against a series of poor defenses. It ended up uh, yielding him a big contract with the Tampa Bay Bucks <laughs> that never paid any dividends. But make no mistake about it that Jay Cutler is the better quarterback uh, over McCown and, uh, and over Hoyer. What might be the advantage for Hoyer over Cutler is his ability to protect the football. Cutler throws a pick uh, three out of every 100 passes, while Hoyer does it two out of 100. Cutler in his career has had 86 fumbles, while Hoyer has only had 13. Cutler, uh, so Cutler fumbles at twice the, the rate of, of Brian Hoyer. Uh, but Cutler's fumble rate has improved over the last two years, and in fact it's very similar to Aaron Rodgers over the last two seasons. So if, if the Bears coaching staff uh, values ball protection more over talent and arm strength and the ability to make certain throws – then, then maybe Brian Hoyer will become the number one quarterback, um, particularly if he uh, – I think Cutler may be out another week, particularly if, if the Bears win their next game and have a two-game winning streak, it might be difficult for John Fox to, to switch quarterbacks. But, uh, again, I, I believe that Hoyer is not truly a number one quarterback while Jay Cutler is, and I'm sure a lot of Packers fans right now are, are – are laughing their socks off. <laughs> well, to go off script already here, I mean, I don't think either quarterback is the long-term answer in Chicago, are they? 
Well, the interesting thing about Jake Cutler is that he is coming into a period of his contract that's not guaranteed and is actually uh, paid the lowest of this huge deal that he has. For instance, next season, he's going to make about $12 million, which for a quarterback with his experience and talent is a bargain in the NFL. So while I believe the Chicago Bears will actively pursue a, a young quarterback in the draft, uh, they may not need to invest a first-round draft pick on a quarterback and still ride this period of Jay Cutler's contract for another year or two uh, because, again, it is a bargain. But if they continue to lose games and are picking early in the draft, then maybe they go after one of the top collegiate quarterbacks and, and make that move. Yeah, interesting to see what'll happen. Uh, also on the Bears, there's this you know connection to the Green Bay Packers that we know very intimately. Uh, how much do you think former Packer Josh Sitton has helped the Bears' offensive line? Well, I'll tell you, you know, for the last few years, I thought that the tandem of Josh Sitton and T.J. Lang was the best guard tandem in the NFL. And and now, if you go to Pro Football Focus this morning. Uh, uh, Lang and Sitton are ranked five and six uh, among the top guards in the league. So they're still playing at a very high level. And so now the Bears have a chance to have the best guard tandem at football with Sitton and Kyle Long. Uh, Pro Football Focus has ranked Sitton for this season as perfect in pass protection and has him second overall as a pass blocking grade among NFL guards. So he has been a huge addition. Now, Kyle Long is uh, the right guard. Is playing? Uh, he's playing with a torn labrum this season, so we may not see that guard tandem be as good as that tandem of Sitton and, and Lang. But nonetheless, the addition of of Sitton has been a huge boom to the offensive line, and the Bears did a lot of work in the off season to improve what was a below average line. But many of the moves backfired on them. They they brought in two veterans for for depth. Manny Ramirez and Nate Chandler, but they ended up both retiring during early during training camp because of uh, the wear and tear on their bodies. They said they couldn't uh, go any longer. Then uh, second-year center Hironis Garasu suffered a, uh, a season-ending injury, and then they uh, when they picked up Bobby Massey, uh, the right tackle who played for the Arizona Cardinals, I think they forgot to look at the film to see just how poor of a pass blocker he is. And so the, the line has had uh, a lot of difficulties this season, but Sitton has come in and he has, um, he has been a huge get for the, for the bears. I mean, the bears aggressively pursued him and ended up signing him to a three year, $21 million contract with $10 million guaranteed. And, and folks here in Chicago and, and I know in Wisconsin, cause I go up there every week to tape a Packers podcast uh, are still scratching their heads over uh, over why Ted Thompson uh, released uh, Josh Sitton because he still he still has it. He plays very good football. Yeah, I'm among them. I still unsure as to why they cut Josh Sitton when they did. Um, but the team the Bears beat on Sunday, the Detroit Lions. Uh, although, how how much are the Lions hurt by the absence of guys like Ziggy Ansah, DeAndre Levy, and how much more competitive do you think they'll be when they're back? 
I think that the loss of these two guys in yesterday's game was huge. You know, with with Ziggy Ansah, you're talking about a player who was third in the NFL in sacks in 2015. He was only a half a sack behind Khalil Mack uh, and, and three behind J.J. Watt, the sack leader from last season. And the offensive tackle position uh, for the Bears has been a serious weakness, so he could have made a huge difference. Last season, in the season finale, Ansah had a sack and his presence on that line, uh, because he demanded double teaming, helped uh, the, the Lions uh, total four sacks in that game. So yesterday the Lions had only two sacks, so there's no doubt in my mind that Ansa was sorely missed. Now, DeAndre Levy uh, is a different case in that uh, I think Lions fans are beginning to forget who the guy is. He's only played one game uh, since 2014, uh, where he led, uh, well, actually, he was second in the NFL in tackles in 2014 with 151, and he just proved to be a, 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 a very capable linebacker, but he, uh, he's, he's, he hasn't played much, but he's sorely missed because the, the guys filling in for him, Tahir Whitehead and, and, and Kyle Van Noy, are just no comparison for what Levy can do, and in fact, to hear Whitehead's play and pass coverage is really laughable. Um, I, I think that the Lions, though, if they get these two guys back healthy uh, for the duration of the season, I think the Lions can win some games. But but the biggest problem with the Lions right now uh, is their leadership issue, and I don't think that the players are responding well to Jim Caldwell. And uh, it's becoming a toxic environment over there. There are a lot of people calling for Caldwell's head. It doesn't seem like the players respond well to him. So uh, more so than getting those two players back, uh, Bob Quinn might be faced with the decision of making the coaching change in season like the team did last year when they changed uh, their off- when they fired uh, uh, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. And so uh, we'll see if Quinn decides to pull the trigger on a bigger move and, and bring in a, a new head coach midseason. Uh, it, it's one of the intriguing NFC North storylines. We're talking to Aldo Gandia of the NFCNBarroom.com. Uh, on Twitter, his uh, handle is Aldo Barkeeper. Give him a follow. Uh, Aldo, uh, elsewhere in the division, um, as the only undefeated team in the NFC North, are the Vikings really this good? I, I truly believe that they are. Um, this, uh, uh, this team, the general manager, Rick Spielman, has just done a brilliant job of piecing together a roster that is quite capable of winning the Super Bowl, and it starts with defense. Uh, they, in my mind, have the kind of defense that we saw in teams like the Denver Broncos from last season and the Super Bowl champions from a couple of years ago, uh, the uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks. So, uh, I mean, just look at what they've done over the last uh, uh, couple of games. As B.J. Rydell wrote on, on our website, um, they've held offenses quarterbacked by the 2014 and 2015 MVP award recipients to a combined of, to, to a combined total of 24 points. This this defense can get by with a mediocre offense to uh, get into the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, you know that anything can happen. The hot team usually takes it all the way to the Super Bowl. The the key uh, to this Vikings team, and I think really uh, it, it's not hyperbole to say that the 
Super Bowl chances for this Vikings team rest on the shoulders of the offensive line. If they can protect Sam Bradford and if they can open up holes for Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata and if Adrian Peterson comes back and plays to within a degree or two of his former self, then um, then this team, I think, is, is formidable and, and should go on to not only repeat as NFC North champions but go deep into the playoffs and maybe the Super Bowl. I, I truly believe that. Wow, that's interesting. Um, whereas the Bears and the Lions played on Sunday, the Vikings actually play in tonight. So a little bit of a preview here, uh, taking on the New York Giants, just so happens to be the Packers' next opponent as well. Uh, what do you think is the key to the game for the Vikings tonight? Yeah, I, I love it when the NFL schedule makers uh, put the games, uh, the NFC North games, in a manner where I can watch them all live. I mean, I'm like <laughs> at a candy store because I love NFC North football. But I, I think for the Vikings to, to beat the Giants tonight, all they have to do is score. You just just don't miss any field goals. Blair Walsh, their kicker, has been incredibly inconsistent. I think this defense will limit the Giants to 10 or 13 points tonight. So if the if the Vikings can muster up 14 or more points, uh, they they should win this game. Now I should say uh, one of the writers who covers the Vikings for our website posted a story this morning, and he noted that the past three games that the Vikings have played on Monday Night Football, they've been outscored 88 to 17, and they have not scored over seven points in any of those games. So this is a team that has not proven itself ready for Monday night football, but uh, that's in the past. I truly believe that what we're going to see is a, is a, is a, uh, is a, a well-played defensive game uh, with uh, chess matches between uh, both head coaches. And I think the Vikings will prevail and win by uh, anywhere between three to seven points. Sounds good. Uh, if we look at the Packers then, uh, what do you make of the Packers' struggles on offense this season and uh, really last season as well? And do, do you think they get back to where they used to be for most of the Aaron Rodgers era? Yeah, you know, I wrote a story uh, early last season where I compared Aaron Rodgers to a Jedi Knight. Um, I, I just think the way that he quarterbacks is is so beautiful his footwork, the way he releases the ball, his field awareness. I mean, he is, he is truly is spectacular. Uh, but what happened last season in those back-to-back games against the Denver Broncos and Carolina Panthers, those two road games, Wade Phillips and Ron Rivera uh, uh, developed a blueprint for how to beat the Packers, particularly with the, uh, the absence of Jordy Nelson. And so uh, they – they showed other defenses that if you keep Rodgers in the pocket and you play close man-to-man coverage on the receivers, that it might frustrate that West Coast timing offense. And uh, Rodgers, if he's unable to get out of the pocket and create uh, time and, and, and for the receivers to get open, then you've got a really good shot at uh, uh, minimizing that offense's effectiveness. And so I think that is what, uh, defensive coordinators throughout the league have seen on tape and they've been employing that type of defensive strategy on Rodgers. And in addition to that, you know, Rodgers, uh, he's a huge competitor and he holds himself to very high expectations, as he should. 
Um, but the one thing that we've learned over the last year and a half is that when he gets frustrated, he really doesn't help himself and the team. At least that's what I've noticed uh, from, from his play. And so to answer your question, I do believe that there is a, a chance of him uh, and this offense getting back to that uh, uh, superstar-level offense from 2014 and before. But it's going to take the leadership of Rodgers and Mike McCarthy's uh, smarts and play calling and scheming to get this team back to uh, its effectiveness and utilizing the principles of the West Coast offense because uh, Rodgers' ability to, to, to scramble and create time are going to be minimized more and more by the defenses they face. Kind of come full circle here. Where, where do you think the Packers stack up to the rest of the NFC North? And we could even kind of do a power ranking here in the NFC North. What, what do you think the, you know, if we were to rank the teams, how do they rank? Well, I think, I think the Vikings are, uh, have an edge on, on the Packers. I, I think, again, because of the Vikings' uh, defense, uh, it, it, they – they may not even win the division, but with their defense, if they get into the playoffs, they, they could go further into the playoffs. And then definitely the Packers are, are number a strong number two, maybe even 1A, you would say. But one of the things about the Packers that I'm really interested in seeing in the coming weeks is how this run defense that is ranked number one in the NFL, how they do in the coming weeks when they start playing teams with better running offenses you know they have uh, played three teams that have had really poor uh, run offenses and and mediocre at best offensive lines and so once they get up against Atlanta with their dual running backs and 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 the Dallas Cowboys with that strong offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott I, it's going to be interesting to see if if the Packers can uh maintain this unbelievable pace at run defense that they've established. And then after that, I think, you know, it's a toss-up between who's worse between the Bears and, and Lions. Uh, obviously, both of these teams are not playoff teams, and um, um, but I would probably, based on what I saw yesterday and, 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 and what I'm detecting to be the turmoil in Detroit, I would probably list the, the Bears as a as a <laughs> as a three, or maybe we should say four A, and and the Lions a four B. Um, uh, but but we'll see. That's that's just my talk. And, and if you're talking about prognostications, I'm, I'm probably one of the worst at them that you'll ever have on your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're wrong about the Vikings being better than the Packers, but I respect your opinion, no doubt about it. So, Aldo, thanks so much for joining us. In fact, before we let you go, you, you said you did a Packers podcast every week. How, how can our fans listen to that and check it out? Sure. Uh, we we have a uh, uh, an interesting podcast called Packers Barroom with Robert Trader, and, and Robert is the host, and he goes to different watering holes throughout the state of Wisconsin, and he interviews people who are Bears, or excuse me, Packers uh, writers or, or really passionate, knowledgeable fans. Last week we had Corey Jenner-John of Cheesehead TV on, and uh, so all you need to do is, is type in PackersBarroom.com, and uh, you'll see features of, uh, of, uh, of our writers covering the Packers videos, and, and you'll also find the podcast there. Fantastic. Aldo, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work, all right? Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. Take care.
Aldo Gandhi of the NFC North Barroom, nfcnbarroom.com, and Aldo Barkeeper on Twitter. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right. Not a whole lot of news in terms of the Green Bay Packers over the weekend being on the bye. So basically, what I'm going to do here for my monologue, so to speak, uh, something I want to just kind of touch on more that, that Aldo was just talking about, and that's the Packers' run defense. And uh, even after the bye week, the Green Bay Packers remain as the top run defense in the entire NFL no matter what way you look at it, no matter how you slice it, they are number one. They, they rank number one in the NFL with 128 rushing yards allowed. The only team in the league with fewer than 200 rushing yards allowed. The Packers also rank number one in the league, allowing 1.8 yards per attempt. The only team in the league allowing fewer than three yards per attempt. And the Packers rank number one in the NFL, allowing 42.7 yards per game. Uh, now, now you can argue, oh, they had a bye week. Of course, they're number one. But they were number one in all these same categories at the conclusion of week three as well. Uh, now, obviously, over time, they're going to regress to the mean. Uh, as Aldo Gandhi had just said, you know, they haven't played great rushing offenses yet but I mean they did hold Adrian Peterson to a very few amount of yards and and this isn't to diminish what they've done so far uh but but this also doesn't mean you know the Packers can't remain among the best run defenses in the NFL maybe even the best so so I kind of wanted to go through the reasons this is the best run defense in the NFL as I see it uh, so, so to break it down into its simplest terms, I see two big reasons the Packers are so good against the run. Number one, they're getting contributions from every level of the defense. And number two, they're getting contributions from the rookies on the roster. So kind of go through this a little bit position by position. Uh, going through, you know, who's doing the job here of stopping the run. And it really, I think, starts on the defensive line and above all other players. Mike Daniels is the most disruptive player he's ever been. Uh, there was an article. I, I wish I could tell you who wrote it. I think it was at, uh, you know, PackersNews.com saying, you know, Mike Daniels has overtaken Clay Matthews as kind of the leader and the number one player on the defense. And I think that's true. Uh, you know, we we've become we've known Mike Daniels to just keep getting better and better ever since his rookie year in the NFL and he might be on pace for his best season yet uh per I you know a lot of times that's judged so much on how many sacks a players get uh and I don't know how many sacks Mike Daniels is going to end up with but that's really beside the point to this discussion because we're talking about run defense but Mike Daniels is just so disruptive he just gets behind the behind the line of scrimmage, or at the very least, he pushes the guy blocking him backwards behind the line of scrimmage and is just disruptive and mucks things up and 
makes running backs choose different lanes and makes a lot of tackles as well. So, I mean, Mike Daniels is where it starts, but really Latroy Guyon is fantastic when he's been healthy as well. Uh, obviously he's dealing a little bit with the knee injury here, uh, but he's supposed to come back and, and the Packers will, you know, very much benefit from his presence because he's done, you know, he, he's a great run stuffer. He's just average, uh, against the pass as well. But again, that's, that's not really what we're talking about here today. We're talking about the run defense and then, you know, I said the rookies making contributions and Kenny Clark, both Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, both the pair of rookie defensive linemen, you know, these guys really haven't been flashy yet. Uh, and we hope at some point they will be, but they're doing a blue collar job thus far. And hey, from rookies, that's that's about as much as you can ask for, even the first round draft picks. If they're just going out there doing a solid job and not, you know, making mistakes, that's all I ask for their first three games in the NFL. Now, you definitely have higher expectations for Kenny Clark at some point, you know, especially the first round draft pick, you know, that at some point he's going to be both disruptive against the run and the pass. Uh, but hey, for now, uh, he's he's helping to replace uh, uh, Latroy Guyon, who's been injured. And it just, you know, you, you, like I've said before, we've seen flashes from Kenny Clark, but we haven't seen big mistakes. And really Dean Lowry either. Pretty small sample size and, and guys like Brian Price and Christian Ringo out there battling. Um, none making mistakes. And, and so the young players really doing a good job. Uh, so there's kind of your defensive line. On to the linebackers. You know, among the biggest reasons for the improved run defense, and we talked about this quite a bit with uh, uh, Nathan Yonke when he was on the show, about the reduction in Julius Pepper's snaps and playtime. And what that has done has opened the door for Nick Perry and Dayton Jones, but especially seeing them more on early running downs like first down. And that's where these guys are at their best because they're so big. They really set a hard edge. And I just don't, you know, perhaps Julius Peppers at his age, that's just not his forte. It's not like he's ever been a bad run defender, but his forte is rushing the passer. And at his age, keeping him fresh and healthy to rush the passer, that's that's first and foremost and that's opening the door for Perry and Dayton Jones to to set the edge out there and really stuff opposing run games. Uh, and then also, um, and, and this is, I think, kind of an underrated reason here because I, I know there was a lot of people out there that like Clay Matthews at inside linebacker, and he was not a bad inside linebacker by any means. But really, his shift back to the outside you know, Clay Matthews doesn't set the edge, the best edge ever. He's he's not that type of player, but I'll tell you what he does. Clay Matthews does a better job running down plays from the backside than any player I've ever seen in football ever. And, you know, this is kind of a thing where, you know, he, he goes unblocked. You know, teams don't even think he can make the play, and they just leave him unblocked sometimes, and he goes and chases down a a running back from the backside and makes the tackle for a loss or no gain or a very short gain. 
And it only happens once a game because it really doesn't happen all that often. But when it does, it's just something special to behold. And, you know, that that closing speed is what Clay Matthews really has. And you see it in the past game as well when he's chasing down quarterbacks and getting sacks. But, you know, that also helps the Packers run defense, um, even, even if he's not out there, you know, taking on blockers and, and setting the edge and, and trying to shed and, and make tackles. He's not great at that, not like he's poor at it, but... You know, running down those guys on the backside, that's that's great. And and the inside linebackers, you know what? Jake Ryan is better this season than he was in 2015, and that's what you expect from a, uh, you know, a guy in his sophomore season in the NFL. And then Blake Martinez has been better than expected against the run. Everybody thought, we talked about this last episode, everybody thought he was going to be the coverage guy, and, and maybe that's coming in due time. Uh, But for the time being, Blake Martinez has been good against the run, or at least better than expected. And Jake Ryan has been better. These maybe aren't guys who are Pro Bowl defenders out there, but they're getting the job done. And you know what? They're smart. They're not making mistakes. They're perhaps limited athletically compared to the elite inside linebackers, uh, compared to the Luke Keekleys and Navarro Bowmans when he was in the you know, prime of his career or Brian Urlacher or whatever. These guys aren't athletic specimens like that, but they're smart and they're doing their job and they're, you know, Blake Martinez, he's out there communicating for, for just being a rookie. It really is remarkable. And, and they're just, they're just being solid out there. And, and, you know, the job is made so much easier when, when the guys on the front line, like Mike Daniels and Latroy Guyon and Kenny Clark are doing their job. So, uh, that's all fantastic to to see, and, and so the the front seven in general really really playing the run very good for uh, the Green Bay Packers. In the secondary, uh, we've seen guys like Quentin Rollins and Demarius Randall have their issues in coverage. All of them have had a bad game so far. You can argue Demarius Randall's had two bad games, but apart from the pass coverage here, again, not really my point. But these guys, you know, especially when they're both out on the field at the same time, they're both very willing tacklers. Uh, They are very tough. They're out there and they are not intimidated at all to go out there and make a play. And, And both better tacklers than Sam Shields. And perhaps with Sam Shields being out, even though the Packers can really use his speed, they could really use him... Uh, you know, keeping pace with receivers deep down the field. He's the worst tackler in the secondary. Um, And and so, you know, maybe the Packers' run defense has almost maybe benefited from Sandshields being out. In fact, if and when he does come back, maybe he stays off the field on, on first downs, and is he's the he's the guy coming in in the nickel packages things like that. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it all if the Packers go down that road. But yeah, at least Randall and Rollins are very willing tacklers, and that helps uh, against the run. And and pretty much the same thing at safety. Haha, Clint Dix early in his career, you know the the big thing with him was he was always dipping that head and missing tackles. Haven't really seen that this year. He's just been a sound tackler. 
uh, even if he's not been hasn't done anything really flashy thus far. At least he's not missing tackles. And we know Morgan Burnett. He's he's best when he's in the box. He's kind of become a prototypical strong safety, which is weird because he came into the NFL with everybody thinking, or at least me thinking, that he would be this great kind of free safety and it never really materialized. But it turns out he's really good against the run and he's really good in the box and he's offered that. And again, uh, with the caveat that when healthy, he's doing these things and he's got to get healthy to get back out there. Um, But now just add in Kentrell Price, uh, making a little bit of a contribution here and there. And he's really good tackler as well. Um, and you add it all together, and that these are the reasons the Packers are so good at run defense this year, and they just got to keep it up. Uh, yeah, they're not they're not going to be doing it for perpetuity in terms of allowing 1.8 yards per carry and and less than 50 yards a game. But if they can just you know even allow modest gains above that, you know if they're if they're allowing three yards a carry, that is great. If they're allowing, you know, 75 yards a game, that's great. I mean, by the end of the year, these these numbers are going to be in contention for the number one defense in the NFL if they do those things. And, and, and hey, uh, top five, even top 10 is great as well. So they, they just got to keep doing what they're doing. And, and hey, if you think the rookies are contributing now, just imagine as they get better and develop and, and the bye week and allows these players to get healthy who've been missing time. These are all things that should help the team. So I am really excited about this team's run defense, uh, more so than I ever expected to be. Uh, and it's just a very pleasant surprise and uh, a unit that could be dominating. So there you go. There's kind of my monologue for today with without much news to really break down, uh, talking about the Packers' run defense instead. Um, but that leads us into this segment. The day ahead. All right. So, you know, most of the Green Bay Packers talk shows on today are off for the bot. Usually Mondays are the busiest day of week. You know, there's there's Clubhouse Live. There's Inside the Huddle. Uh, there's in the huddle, you know, two shows with almost the same name. Uh, there's Packers Live with Larry McCarron. Uh, there's all these shows. I, I, some of them may be back. I don't even know. Uh, but, but I do know the one show that for sure is is not taking the bye week off is is Clubhouse Live. They're pressing on on Monday evening. Uh, Packers wide receiver Ty Montgomery is the co-host. And his guest has been publicized as safety Micah Hyde. And the show is streamed live at 6.30 p.m. Central Time at PackersNews.com. So there's an opportunity here to hear from the players during the bye week, no matter where you live, uh, worldwide, If you, even if you live outside of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, it's there for you, some Packers content on a Monday during the bye week. Uh, but the show also broadcasts live from the Clubhouse Sports Bar and Grill inside the Radisson Hotel in Appleton. So if you live in the area and want to be part of the studio audience, uh, go ahead, take advantage. Uh, I've done it myself a handful of times in the past and have had a very fun time uh, watching the show there in Appleton. So uh, go check it out, uh, both online or live in person. 
And there's uh there that's what's coming up uh, today with very other little Packers news because uh, Monday's probably the the last day of their bye. In fact, uh, I, I'm not even sure exactly uh, what's happening, but you know probably uh, that I'm not sure if the Packers were given Monday off or they got to be back by Monday. Uh, that could be the case. I'm sure a lot of them got out out of town over the weekend, but I'm sure they're filtering back in now. And uh, by Tuesday and especially Wednesday, the start of the uh, the uh, practice, once again, uh, they'll be back and ready to go for a game against the New York Giants, who in fact played, you can see the upcoming opponent tonight on Monday Night Football as the Giants take on the Vikings. So lots of Packers connections there with, with one NFC North team and one the upcoming game for the Packers. So enjoy it tonight on ESPN. Uh, and that'll do it for today's show. Thank you everybody so much for joining us. Thank you to Aldo Gandia of NFCNBarroom.com for joining us. We'll be back again on Wednesday uh, as uh, Nathan Yankee will not be joining us uh, for the bye. Uh, but we got another guest all lined up and uh, we'll keep you guessing until Wednesday as to who that is. Um, but, uh, we'll see you folks. Uh, my call to action is always as usual. If you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. This show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid head to iTunes, search cheesehead TV, it'll pop right up. Give us that five-star rating and a brief little review. Doesn't help. Doesn't have to be anything long, uh, but it helps us get word out about the show. And I greatly appreciate it. Uh, the show airs live at 8.30 a.m. Central Time every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, typically. And um, uh, podcasting and on-demand later in the day. We'll see you, folks. Have a good Monday, and we'll see you again on Wednesday. I leave you today with a song called Nemo by Umphreys McGee on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Go.